right, welcome back once again, everybody. It's the Dr. Treefruit and Don podcast. I'm Don Seifert. I'm here with Dr. Carrie Peter. Say hi, Carrie. Hello. And for the first time in a long time, we're here with Dr. Macarena Forku. Hi, say hi, Macarena. Hi. So it is uh, Wednesday, November 15th. I know it's been a bit of time since we've done a last one of these, uh, but we know folks have plenty of other things to do between the months of August, September, October, and now finally the middle of November. Um, so we've got a couple updates. Uh, Carrie's just going to give kind of a quick brief update um, on some control, some late season cleanup and control. And uh, it's been pretty much since the start of Macarena's tenure at UMD that we've had her on here. Um, so she's going to give us an update on what she's been working on. So Carrie, you want to go first? Okay, I'll I'll be brief. Uh, <laughs> I'll try to be brief. Okay, so... So before folks winterize their equipment and put everything to sleep, uh, there's a few uh, housekeeping duties that need to be done in the orchard, and that's primarily sanitation. So preparing for disease control for next season. So the first thing we want to be thinking about is leaf control, basically disease and leaves, leaf removal. So the diseases you're thinking about are apple scab, marcinina leaf blotch, and cherry leaf spot. This was a good cherry leaf spot year. So there's a um, two primary ways that you can get rid of your leaves. Uh, flail mowing by chopping them up and breaking them into smaller pieces that allows for better degradation. Another way is spraying urea on your trees. And then as the leaves fall, and you can also spray the ground if the leaves have already fallen, that urea is going to feed the microbes, which are then going to break down the leaf tissue. And it does work better as if the leaves are chopped up. So depending on when you... Um, you can spray the trees and then chop them up as they, you know, fall to the ground, or you can, you know, spray and then chop. However, but it seemed that you get the best control when you spray and chop. Uh, as far as how much urea to use, you want to aim for a five percent solution, which is equal to forty pounds of of feed grade urea and hundred gallons of water, and then spraying that one hundred gallons per orchard acre. Uh, now, if you are unable to get urea, you want to make sure that your nitrogen comes from an ammonium source. So that is the story for leaf removal for key diseases that originate from leaves. Uh, fruit rots. Let's talk about fruit rots. And also, if you have any leftover fruit hanging in the trees, because this was kind of a crazy year for a lot of folks. Uh, so we definitely were not immune to that um, at Freck. And what we did to get rid of fruit that was hanging in the trees that didn't, we didn't want there, we actually sprayed um, four pints to the acre of ethophon, and that helped drop the remaining fruit. Uh, it won't affect, I don't believe it's not going to impact next year's um, flower bud development, but it will easily remove your fruit from the trees. It does those fruit will fall, at least the majority of them will fall, will fall to the ground. So that is something to think about if you can't uh, or unable to physically remove the fruit from the trees, if you don't have the personnel to do that, that's one option. Uh, another disease that we also need to be thinking about is peach leaf curl. This was a great peach leaf curl year. I saw a lot of disease and I saw a lot of disease in areas that I have not seen disease before. But peach leaf curl can be tricky to control. You need to wait until all of the leaves are off the tree. Not 50% of the leaves, not 75% of the leaves. We're talking 100% of the leaves. The reason why is because those the 
Fungal spores live in the buds, and when the leaves are on the tree, they protect those fungal spores that are in the buds. So once the leaves are gone, the buds are exposed, the fungal spores are exposed, and the fungicide can be used to control the disease. So copper, xyram, lime sulfur, chlorothalonil, these are all fungicides you can use now when the leaves are off the tree. If you wait until late winter, make sure that there is no early bud swell because the second the bud swells in the either late winter, early spring from those usually freak warmups we have that come out of nowhere, that bud swell is enough to protect those spores in the buds. So just be mindful if you don't get to it this fall, when you do it next spring um, or next late winter, I should say, early spring, that be mindful of that bud swell um, during that time of the year. And then the last thing, I just want to just kind of shout out to remind people, your weather station. Don't forget about your annual maintenance of your weather station. And there are a lot of different things. Um, and there's lots of resources online. There's YouTube. The weather station you have should have actually resources that you can use on their various websites. So this is anything from removing the debris from the the as far as the rain collection, uh, you know, making sure everything is operating correctly. Uh, and a lot of this stuff you can if you are hooked up to NUA, you can actually see how well your stuff is is functioning because I've actually caught some growers uh, weather stations not functioning correctly, then usually I'll send them an email saying, hey, you may want to check your weather station because it hasn't recorded rainfall in a while. So that is, uh, those are my broad brush strokes as far as what people need to be thinking about for the fall maintenance regime with regards to disease control. And also don't forget about giving your weather stations love. Cool. Thanks, Carrie. I'll uh, I'll just toss on to the end there that if we're going to be looking at the orchard floor anyway, uh, now's a good time to be doing fall weed control. Um, yes. So Don't forget about fall weed control. Yeah. So if you're going to be if you're going to be looking down at the orchard floor anyway, you might as well uh, get on looking at some some control down there. So um, thanks. That was that was good. And Macarena. So uh, for folks who might not have heard that first podcast or might not have interacted with you um, since you since you started at University of Maryland, um, why don't you give folks just a little bit of an intro about yourself and what, what you've been working on the past couple of years? Totally. Thank you again for the invitation. It's happy to be back here. <laughs> um, yeah, so I am uh, Macarena Farcu. I started this position around four years now. Um, so I'm an assistant professor and an extension specialist at the Department of Plant Sciences at the University of Maryland in College Park. Um, I'm mainly focused on working with fruit or tree fruits. So a lot with apples and peaches is what I've mainly been working here. But previous to that, I also have experience with other stone fruits, even working with melons and other types of fruits. Um, so my time is really divided into the research that we do and very coupled to all the problems that the growers have so that to try to bring those solutions through the research. So I think one of the big areas we have been working on since I started here is the problem of the color, uh, red coloration in apple fruits, that it has been a challenge for some varieties due to the expectations of the market. Um, to get to that 50 or 60% of red coloration that is very difficult due to our hot and humid weather. 
So we have been trying to, um, to use tools, management tools that can help um, to get to this, uh, to solve this challenge. And we have been doing that pre-harvest and post-harvest. So pre-harvest, we have been using the extend day or these reflective ground covers that they are going to kind of bounce the light back from the ground to the lower canopy of the tree. So that makes the fruits also be exposed to more light and that um, increases the coloration. Uh, we have also been trying to understand if there is any interaction between the use of these reflective ground covers and the use of plant growth regulators such as retain, that they're going to delay maturity, the fruit can be left longer on the tree, and if we have extend day, we can have a longer time also for light to get to the fruit. So we're, we are trying to understand what's going on with the quality of that fruit, of course, with the red coloration, and if there's any issue that we are... Um, not aware of that is um, appearing. And then from a post-harvest perspective, we are also trying to improve red red skin coloration by doing um, ultraviolet light applications in the post-harvest chambers, uh, because ultraviolet light is the main um, player that is really enhancing the, um, the appearance of this red coloration. So we have also been very successful with that, but still we have a lot of work to do in terms of how make how to make this feasible for a large scale production. It's at, at the level of research only for now. But first, that's what we wanted to kind of um, understand if this is working or not, and then we can kind of build on that. So that's kind of one big area we have been working on. We have also been working a lot with plant growth regulators and uh, it's used in different cultivars, mainly focused on the part of regulating fruit maturity and understanding its effect on fruit drop. So we have been working with Retain and Harvista mainly, um, <clears throat> comparing those with respect to controlled fruits and what's going on in terms of their effects on quality, on fruit drop, on maturity, on post-harvest, disorder appearance. That's a new project that we are just starting now to understand under our conditions, what effects can these plant growth regulators have, not only on the field, but after the fruit is stored for a while. Um, and um, we are trying to do this in cultivars such as Honeycrisp, Fuji, and we started this year also working with Ambrosia. Um, this is thanks to funding that we got from, from SHOP. So we hope to continue next year a little bit exploring, especially the ambrosia, which is a very interesting cultivar um, also to study. And it's also very important for this area. Um, what else? In terms of physiological disorders, a little bit with peaches, we have also done. We have been trying to work on understanding the chilling injury that develops on peaches when the peaches become mealy and become brown inside, but you cannot tell from the outside. So we have been trying to use like non-destructive tools that can tell us without having to destroy the, tr the fruit if we have or not the presence of these disorders. And we have been doing that um, using aroma volatiles. So trying to define like a, a, like a mark or a, a little uh, thumbprint of which volatiles are produced when the fruit has the disorder versus which ones are not present. And then we can kind of predict what is happening. And then I would say we have also been working a lot with uh, rootstocks and trying to understand under our conditions. And this is also done a lot in Penn State, but we have also been doing it a lot in Western Maryland in one of our research stations. Um, how different rootstocks affect 
not only the tree characteristics, but also fruit quality. And we got a paper out recently um, where we show that after two or three years of evaluation, we can see that there is um, an effect on the characteristics of fruit quality, like not only maturity uh, <clears throat> time, but also aspects like the firmness, the ethylene production, uh, sugars, et cetera, et cetera. So that was very interesting. And we plan on hopefully continue to look into this more now in post-harvest uh, or other or using other types of woodstocks and cultivars. We did all this work with Gala. So there's other cultivars that we can explore. Um, I think that's kind of, in general, what we have been doing in terms of research um, so far. Yeah, no, that's that's an awesome update. And, <clears throat> and no, I think folks will be super interested to see when you get some of that stuff published and, and what a lot of that looks like. Um, it, many, 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 many moons ago at this point, uh, I don't know if some folks know this or not. I used to work in some watermelon work. Um, so find, doing like internal assessments of watermelon without needing to constantly split them open was was mm -hmm. a super big deal. So I think folks will be would be super excited to like be able to figure out mealiness without needing to just constantly destroy fruit after fruit after fruit. So I think that's really cool. Thank you. Um, yeah, that's very exciting for us. Yeah. Well, um, and, and and I will say, okay, so the rootstock trial with Gala. So what what are some highlights you could share since you've already published? Right, you've already published this. Yeah. Well, we. Um, so I'm curious. <laughs> yes, we detected. I well, in general terms, like the most vigorous rootstocks were the ones that, of course, gave us the, the bigger trees. And um, we observed that the maturity on those fruits was a little bit um, delayed. Oh, interesting. Uh, and um, we observed differences in the ethylene production. If we also had like more fruit in these um, vigorous ones. So that also affected, we, we observed different size, uh, size of the fruits present. The weight really is what we evaluated weight of the fruit was different um, and a lot of and a big difference also in the in the maturity stage not a big hmm. difference but it could be some days or that could make differences in an orchard when you wow. are when you are there that's so, really interesting yeah that was uh, that was really cool so we want to now continue that work in terms of okay that's only at harvest mm -hmm. what happens also if there is an effect at all in post-harvest because that I don't know if that will be maintained or it's it just stops there hmm. and uh, and then try out maybe maybe we are planning on on planting a new rootstock trial and try to to look further into that or or include other other locations etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, so that's kind of where we are at with that and then maybe one more thing I can comment uh, more from the, from the extension part is that we are being trying to put out different tools or materials out for 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 all of you and growers to use. So we have um, a lot of people that are subscribed to our maturity assessment newsletter that we really run weekly from end of July, I would say, till the end of October every year. Already it's been three years, I think, we have been doing this. Um, so we just report on different cultivars every week and then we measure just a, like key maturity parameters and kind of give our vision of how is the maturity stage of those cultivars to give an idea of 
how they are doing and when they should be harvested, depending on their market. Um, we have also been trying to be a little bit more present in social media. So we have our Instagram channel, our Facebook. We now created a YouTube channel and talking about maturity assessments. I had two of my grad students that developed a, a very nice video where they just go through every one of the single maturity assessments that we do and how do we do them in the lab or evaluate them. So that's worth uh, a look if you're interested. Um, and then I just wanted to highlight that we also have, um, we are trying to put out materials that are not only in English, but also for the Spanish population. So we have a, a blog in Spanish um, that has been increasing its, its audience uh, drastically throughout the years. And we are trying to publish at least two or three blogs per month. Um, one from my side, another from a colleague. She's the collaborator in this project um, that is related with entomology mainly. And um, then we have three or four, uh, two other people that can be kind of of different topics that are also um, collaborating there or, or giving us a, a, to a blog topic. So that is another tool that we have put out there and are very excited about to just continue making it grow. So, and also, I just want to mention you are now established an annual fruit quality food safety at workshop every year. So it started last year. I think last year yes, was the first time. Yes, yes. And so then, because uh, my student participated last year, I couldn't participate last year. This year, I was able to participate in it, as did my student. But it's a great all day event because. It was, um, you know, really covered the spectrum of topics with regards to quality, both post-harvest disorders, and I provided the spice with diseases, and then all of the food safety, um, you know, issues that we think about um, in storage as well. So that was also really, and there was someone, there was someone else, I'm missing someone, or maybe it was, it was weeds. The, the weeds, weeds yes, the weeds, yeah. the weeds, we yes, on, yes, uh, the weeds. On weeds. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. No, that's so, true. Thank you, Carrie, for bringing yeah, that Yeah, yeah. No, it was a great, it was a really great all-day session. And that is held at the University of Maryland's Western Research and Education Center in Keatesville. Exactly. So yes. if you know your directions, it's not far. It's just a few miles from Antietam. So there's my plug for... Uh, Thank you so much. No, Because <laughs> I'm hoping I become like, I'm a regular, you know, attendee totally. of this. So and it's, our plan is, yeah, is that we are planning to do this again, 2024. We generally hold it around November mm -hmm. and it's becoming, um, we have been having people from three or five different states like yep. coming to it. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, we at the beginning, we started like, let's see how it goes, but it has been, we have received very positive feedback. So mm -hmm. we are planning to continue this for sure. You are going to yeah. be part of it next year. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. um, and we are going to start advertising this. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so yes, have that in your agendas because that yeah. will be, <laughs> yep. that is another important aspect. Yeah. That we are also trying to, to, to move forward and make it better each year because we are learning on the way too. So, yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm really, I'm really glad you brought up your uh, newsletter, your your uh, ripeness assessment newsletter, just because I I find it super helpful, you know, as like an extension professional, right? Like you guys are a little bit ahead of where we are up in my part of Pennsylvania, but it's still super great to like, oh, okay, you know, uh, their their galas are in, I should be expecting that, you know, a week from now, you know, 
And uh, I was going to say, you guys have like a bunch of different like ripeness assessments on there. You know, it's not like you're just doing like a penetrometer reading or just mm-hmm. like a BRICS reading. So, yeah, I found that to be super, super helpful. So I'm really glad. I hope you guys keep doing that because that was... <laughs> Yeah, that's the plan. We have to, again, uh, apply for funding this coming year. This is this has been funded a lot from the Maryland Department of Agriculture. So I hope they continue funding us uh, for the next two years and then we continue. Um, but yeah, the plan is to totally continue. And um, yeah, and hopefully we get more and more subscribers, but we do get uh, feedback that um, also that it's useful or some people kind of give us ideas of how to do, do it better. We have changed the format of the newsletter. It's It has been very nice to get like some comments because, um, yeah, we just see it from our side. So we need feedback. <laughs> yeah, it's always it's always funny talking to people and, and you know, they kind of harp on us an extension for saying, man, you guys do like a lot of surveys. A lot of questionnaires, and it, but that—that's how we—that's how we get to keep doing exactly. this work. That that's like. how you find out what's most important to people, because it's sort of like you know we try to try to look ahead and anticipate, but it all boils down to what's most important for the grower. You know, really, our our, our opinions a moot point. It's really what's important for them. So. But yes, your maturity assessment, that's a really an excellent resource because like the folks that did it at Penn State have retired. So you have filled a necessary hole that has been um, languishing there. So you that's that's really that's just a really terrific service because I know a lot of people really appreciate that. Yeah, no, and it's it's also fun to do it. And the nice thing is we also can incorporate undergraduate students mm-hmm. and they also get to learn and they they get to participate so it's i think it's a win-win situation for everyone it's a very nice um tool and activity i think educational and also like a tool for growers so yeah and you have a really cool video how-to video your students made on this and it's really great because she showed it during a macarena showed it during her workshop last week so and her students did an excellent job walking you through exactly what they do. So it's an excellent how to video. I learned something and, you know, I've been I've been watching this for like 10 years. I'm like, oh, yeah. So that that's how that works. <laughs> so what I'll what I'll do is I will ask, you know, I not here right now because no one's going to write down whatever address link we, we give. Right. But like if you send that to me, I'll make sure to put it in the episode description so that way folks can check that out. Perfect. And uh, if you give me the link so folks can sign up for your uh, newsletter, ready. I'll put mm-hmm. both of those in the Perfect. description and then folks don't have to go hunting for them. So Perfect. I will do that. I'll send those to you. So it's awesome. Yes. 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 Well, And I'll also send you the link of the blog in Spanish in case nice. there's someone that wants to look at that. Yeah, it's I'll, I'll make sure to put all those. So whatever folks have interest in, they can just click right down mm-hmm. the way. So, yeah. Well, That's thank great. you super so so much for coming on it's always fun to have you on and i feel like we always have like really you know nice chats uh whenever we get to meet up um so super looking forward to the mid-atlantic fruit and vegetable convention which is yes. coming much much sooner than i think any of us uh <laughs> it'll be here before stuff. you know it <laughs> um so yeah keep an eye out for that we'll probably do like a perspective on what the program looks like in december um we're still hashing out just maybe one or two things on the program um but i think i think it's a really nice program this coming year not to not to toot our horn own horn too 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 much and, um, and for, 
for, for our listeners, Don is one of the co-organizers for the Mid-Atlantic. So that that he rightly so to toot your own horn. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so so we'll that's always available in like the State Hort newsletter and the PUGA newsletter. Um, but we'll we'll go over some of that um, here on the podcast next month. So that way you guys can maybe get interested in some of the some of the sessions. Um so yeah, final takeaways, make sure you sign up for a bunch of cool extension newsletters. Uh, make sure you are doing your orchard floor maintenance with your leaf cleanup uh, and make sure you're doing your fall weed control. So- And, and with, don't forget about your weather stations. Yes, and your weather sta- station maintenance. <laughs> so with that, uh, thank you both again for doing this and looking forward to talking to everyone in December. Say goodbye, everybody. See you later. Thanks. (laughs) Bye.